Welcome to Honey, I'm Homeschooling the Kids. My name is Robin Robertson, and I'm the creator and host of this podcast. So I, too, am a homeschooling mom. Uh, I have two kids that we unschool for almost nine years now. And because I've been in the same place that many of you have been in or are in, whether that is having doubts about my abilities, uncertainties about the year ahead, you know, questioning what we're doing, how we're doing, or if we're doing enough of what we were doing, and then slowly coming to a space of understanding our flow and rhythm and freedoms. Uh, I know I've been there. And that is one of the reasons why I've created this space and podcast. I've had the questions. I know others that have had similar questions and concerns. And I thought this was a great platform to address any of those, get answers to those questions, and also to build community, because that's the other aspect of this learning life that is truly important, is having others within your community. So that's why we're here, and that's why I'm here, and this podcast is here. So take what you can, connect when you can. My DMs are open. My email is open. Reach out if you have any questions, or you want to share anything as well. I always appreciate seeing the reviews. Please, if you get a chance, leave reviews for the show. It helps it to get seen and heard as well. Um, We have a wonderful Patreon community. You can go to patreon.com slash honey. I'm homeschooling the kids. And join the community and share in the extra resources that are provided there or the conversations that happen on that resource. And we also have a wonderful club within the Clubhouse app. The club is called Honey, I'm Homeschooling. And I host regular rooms every week, discussion rooms on homeschooling, unschooling, learning, education, alternative education, uh, parenting, all of those themes and topics that support learning, home education, natural learning, all of that process we discuss in our club and clubhouse. So we run a room, Liana Francisco and I have a room every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. Mountain Time. And actually, if you go to your app and go to the club, Honey, I'm Homeschooling, you'll see the schedule and it will come up in whatever time zone that you are in. But if you're going by my time zone, which is Mountain Time in Alberta, Canada, we have a room 9 a.m. on Saturday mornings. Leanna Francisco and Kelly Edwards run a room Monday mornings at 11 a.m. Mountain Time. And their room is on making homeschooling simple and easy. Our Saturday morning room is always on the basis of connection and relationships. And then every Tuesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Mountain Time, I run a room on on timely topics, on homeschooling, unschooling, and learning. There's special guests that I have, or it's a continued conversation that we may feel is really pertinent or important at that time. So find us on Clubhouse. There's a lot going on there as well. That also leads into this special episode. This episode is one of the first ones I've shared on this podcast. It is actually a recording of one of our clubhouse rooms. So recently, Liana Francisco and I have focused our Saturday room on getting started in homeschooling because for many, it's the beginning of the homeschooling year. So this discussion is based on part one, the part one of that discussion, which is on your guiding purpose, finding your guiding purpose and 
your why in homeschooling and how we've done that and why that's important. So I hope you enjoy this discussion. You'll get, if you haven't already been there, you'll get an idea of what the rooms sound like and are like. I'd love to have you join us again. I did record part two, which we just finished this morning, uh, and that will be shared as well. But just so you know, the Clubhouse rooms are always shared first on Patreon in our Patreon community for Honey, I'm Homeschooling the Kids. So if you would like to have access to that too, go to patreon.com slash honey, I'm Homeschooling the Kids. So enjoy this episode. Uh, And the other part that I'm excited about is the masterclass that I'm offering. So the masterclass is ready. I do have a few spots still available. I know this will be airing in time so that if you want to go, I'll I'll link it in the show notes. So the masterclass is called Homeschooling with Purpose, and it's a four-week live masterclass that I'm running. So you're meeting with me live once a week. We also will have emails during the week in between. But the four weeks are based on first. The first week is getting clear and understanding your values and purpose for your learning journey. And that is that is the first week what we're going to focus on and I'll help you build that. Um, and get into the flow and questions that you can have with your family on answering those questions. What's really important in your fa- for your family, the values and purpose that also helps build confidence in your homeschooling journey when you know where you're going and what you want to do. The second week is focusing on de-schooling and how to lean into the de-schooling process. And we are going to begin unpacking all of those old beliefs that are you may hold on learning, school, education, family life, and begin unpacking those old beliefs that might not be serving you. Uh, So how do we unlearn those or maybe even reframe those in this process to help guide and support natural learning? The next week is we start to take all of that process from those those two weeks and we start to build a, a guiding framework that's unique to your family's natural learning journey. So this guiding framework is not a exact checklist of how to, it's helping you to design your own soft framework for your family that's unique in that journey, in the learning life that you've envisioned for yourselves. And um, as well with that, that's included building on interests and supporting passions. So we will go into that and then conclude in the fourth week on how we can support the interest-led learning flow, finding resources around your home that you might not have yet discovered or even realized you can incorporate them into your learning flow and rhythms, and your environment, how to create and support a learning environment that allows us as learners and your children as learners to flourish now and for years to come. So that's the masterclass, Homeschooling with Purpose Masterclass. I have a link in the show notes you can go to to learn more and sign up. Uh, We are keeping it small so that it's a live masterclass, 12 people maximum, so that we have space to ask questions, to deep dive into the process, to have that discussion, and also that it's not too big that it's overwhelming, that you still have a space to be seen and heard as well. Um, So contact me if you have any questions. In the meantime, enjoy this episode. Well, I know you and I have been brainstorming topics and wanting to continue on this flow of supporting families as they're sort of getting started this year. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And there's so many questions that I'm seeing in like the couple Facebook groups that I'm in. It's just every other post is about how do I get started? What do I do? How do I pick a curriculum? How do I tell the district, you know, all the different things and people, it's like the same questions over and over again. And obviously like some of those questions are location specific, like extremely location specific, but the general stuff is, is the same kind of wherever and making sure that you're following the general steps. So we thought that we would talk about that today, right? Yeah, that's right. Cool. Should we start with introductions? Do you want to introduce yourself and then I can do me and then we can just sort of jump in? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds good. So welcome everybody. If you don't already know me, welcome to our club, Honey, I'm Homeschooling. I'm the creator and host of the podcast, Honey, I'm Homeschooling the Kids. So my name is Robin, Robin Robertson, and I am an unschooling mom to two kids. We are going into nine years and counting. Um, we began as world schoolers. We decided to travel with our kids and homeschooling was just the easiest thing to fit into our way of life. And we didn't think we would can always do it. And then here we go. That was nine years ago. And here we still are. Um, the greatest thing, I think the surprise was the connection, what I saw within our family structure. I think that was really afterwards something I I didn't know was going to happen or I didn't expect was going to happen. I thought it was all about just the learning, like the academic side of it. Um, As we moved into especially more unschooling, I saw that really learning is living the life around us and being fully immersed in the life around us. And those other things that look very schooly can certainly happen within that context of living our life um, and doing things and experiencing things in our daily life and applying all of that, putting that into practical application. So that's kind of how we we moved into our unschooling journey. And I started the podcast because I was a mom, same like everyone. I had questions. I was like, what am I doing? How do I make this interesting? I think my kids need to know this, but you know, how do we introduce it? Or how do I just step back and let things flow? You know, what's the process? So, you know, and also community was a big thing. I knew others had the same questions I did. And I was also looking for community. And the podcast was just the way I love listening to podcasts. And at the time, there were a lot on those questions and topics. And so the podcast is a great way to share unique stories, people's families, unique learning journeys, uh, gain more information on topics that are relevant to life learning and uh, build a community as well and to learn and to grow. So that's the background behind the podcast. Uh, I've worked in education in various forms for many years as well. I currently serve as a public school board trustee in my local area too. So that gives always an interesting perspective. So I'm going to pass it over to you, Liana. Welcome everybody. That's just a short little blurb on my unschooling life. (laughs) And oh, one other thing, we are recording this room today. So I've already started recording just to let everybody know um, this is being recorded. Yeah, I think the recording is such a good idea for today because there's going to be so many people that want to hear this that maybe weren't able to make it today or, you know, even next year's fall time, this will be applicable for people too. So thank you for thinking of recording today's session. So um, my name is Liana Francisco. I think many of you know me because of this awesome club that Robin has created for all of us to engage in and be a part of. So I, um, I'm i a grown unschooler. I'm 38 and I was unschooled from birth to 16 um, back in the 80s and 90s. I started college in 
uh, fall 99 at 16. And um, so I have the experience of looking at this from someone who's lived it as the kid. Um, and then now I have a four and a half year old and I'm unschooling him as well, doing things very differently than how my family did from the perspective, like I'm, um, you know, my husband works full time right now, which he really loves being out of the house doing that. Um, but then I also work and I run businesses and I kind of do it all while I'm chilling with my kid. And now I have a nanny too. And it's like this whole different, um, way than how I was raised doing it also. And so it's really fun for me to be in these unschooling rooms and homeschooling rooms, connecting with all of you, learning how homeschooling has grown into this community that really just did not exist when I was a kid. It was a totally different situation. And then, um, you know, being able to have all of your guys's new ideas really um, inform the way that I'm doing things. And then to be able to share with you guys, obviously the way that um, that I was raised and the homeschooling experiences that I had and how everyone, like everyone I know that was homeschooled turned out great. Um, at least it wasn't the homeschooling that was the problem, right? <laughs> we all have our own journeys. Um, but yeah, so that, that's who I am. I, I run a couple businesses. Like I said, I am a vegan food professional, so I have a wholesale food business. And then I also coach parents on how to eat plant-based and make it easy. And I have a YouTube channel about that. And then I also am a project management consultant. Um, and actually, I'm helping a, uh, an educational district in my area right now. Or a, um, it's a ESD educational. It's like they support the school districts. They're not actually the school district in our area. So that's what I'm doing right now. That is why I'm here this morning to talk about getting started for all of you. Where should we start, Robin? Oh, and also we want you guys to raise your paws. So come on up. We want to talk to you guys. We want it to be like Q&A style as well as us just giving you the framework. And we're on till nine this morning, nine Pacific time. So we have about another 50 minutes yeah. for conversation today. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. If you are, bring your questions because then like this is this is the whole part. We want to help anyone that has questions about getting started. So absolutely do so. I'm on a little bit of a different app. So you can message me um, in the back chat or Liana. I just can't guarantee that it will come up as quickly because of this another one that I can record through. So, um, Oh, yeah, that's been really great having people message us now on mm -hmm. the calls. Like if you're not able to speak out loud or wherever you are right now or you, know, you don't want to wake up a sleeping kid or whatever. Um, and, or if you just don't feel like coming up and sharing with your voice, feel free to message, direct message me with your questions and comments and stuff. And I'll share the, I'll voice those for you. Yeah. That's been a great feature. Um, so why don't we also start with, you know, we talked about one of the parts with getting started for some are some just also want to want to know how do I, if depending where I live, um, what do I do? Like, I've just thought, okay, we want to try homeschooling. Where do I even go? Uh, and one of the things, Leanne, that you talked about that does come up is depending where you are, sometimes there are regulations and information that you need to submit. Um, so every country, state, province, region, um, the district, depending where you live, usually there are different regulations uh, for homeschooling. Uh, and our suggestion would be because it is different in so many places uh, and also depending where you live. Some countries, it is actually not legal to homeschool. Um, so keep that in mind. We suggest that 
One, you go to your education ministry here, we call it, uh, and put in homeschooling. They might have information on what to do and how to register. But more often than not, I find personally, um, also because I do work with government, they actually don't always know. Um, unless it's something very specific to that department, which sometimes takes a little bit to find. Uh, Facebook groups of local homeschooling families offer a lot of information and usually local information, if you can find that, as well as um, there are websites, for example, um, and Liana, correct me if I get the acronym wrong, HSLDA. I know they're American-based, but they do have an international yep, presence. Yeah, that's correct. Okay. And I know usually they have a, a page on their website that breaks it down for different states. If you're in the United States, states, or they have a link to other countries, that will break down the requirements for different areas where you live for homeschoolers. So some, for example, where I live, you do have to register with the government. You actually register with a school board, your choice. You, it can be any school board within our province, private or public, that's a parent choice. And through that school board, because you do receive funding as a homeschooler where we live. So that funding is, is administered through the school board, then on down to the family. Um, and then there's different layers of that, depending how, if you're an unschooler, for example, which we, which will be parent directed, uh, you will get a certain amount. If you're sharing responsibility with the school, then your amount will, will vary. Um, so, so that's how it's done. Um, and then you have to submit a home education plan for the year, kind of quote unquote, proof of learning or proof that learning will be happening. Um, and then we actually have a facilitator that's assigned to you that is a, a registered teacher. And they actually, and Liana and I have talked about this, and Liana was kind of floored that this happens. And hey, I live in Canada. Um, a facilitator will come to your home in the beginning of the school year. And really, this facilitator is supposed to be a support and guide. Um, and that is a whole other conversation because, you know, it's the onus is usually on the family to really connect with a school board and facilitator that will support them and not be a, uh, a threatening authoritarian figure. I guess you could say that someone that will help guide you through that journey. They come and they should help actually create, help you support your home education plan or any questions that you have. And then they do a check at the end of the year. Um, so. There we go. <laughs> That's how it works in my province, but it's different in yours. Although this past year, they instituted a new part where you can just say, I'm going to be essentially unschooling. Here's my home education plan for the year. I won't receive any funding. Goodbye. Thank you very much. Um, so that just started. Yeah. In the U.S., it's obviously super different from that. And the thing is, every state is super different. And I actually didn't realize that until I started being more active in Clubhouse because I mostly knew West Coast homeschoolers and the laws are slightly different between West Coast states, but they're not, they're not so dramatically different. Um, but really in my area, there are some requirements for the parents' qualifications, for example. Um, and you have to have on record that you have some qualifications, either a little bit of college or you have to have had, um, or you have to take like a, an online course basically. And they call it like a homeschool certification course, but really it's just, it's just making sure that you understand homeschool law in the area. Um, and that you, and then, then you basically just tell the state that you're doing this. If your kid is over eight years old, 
And then once a year, you're supposed to provide um, your child with some sort of learning assessment. And there's different standards for how you can do that. They can be test-based or non-test assessments. And you don't even turn that into anybody. You just keep that in your files in case you're ever like audited, for example, um, about your children's um, about your children's educational experiences. But I can tell you when I was growing up, there was no way in hell that somebody would have come to my house and checked up on us as homeschoolers, nor would my parents have left them in the door. Mm -hmm. You know, it was like such a radical choice to be homeschooling. And it was like, it's no one's business. What we do, we told you, we sent you the piece of paper that said, we're homeschooling. We're taking responsibility for us kids. That's it. Everyone else is out. Now that doesn't work other places and there's other states that that doesn't work in. It's just really would not be appropriate and you could get in a lot of trouble, which is like, you know, dangerous from a child welfare perspective. Like you can't, you can't risk those things. You have to be in compliance. But in my area, it's extremely easy to be in compliance. And Robin, I, I would, um, I would echo what you were saying about the, the Facebook groups. I think they're an excellent place to get your initial information about what your local age, where your local agencies are, who they are, who you're supposed to be talking to, and then make sure to get your information directly from them. But those groups can be a really great way to figure out the authorities you're supposed to be speaking with. Yeah. I just wanted to actually comment to that as well. When you are in the Facebook groups, getting information, just, a lot of people have the very best of intentions, but they are also sometimes misinformed or interpreted the information differently than how it is. Yes. So absolutely. you want to make sure when you're looking at the requirements for your state, look at multiple sources. I mean, even calling, you know, the school district who oversees that area. I mean, yeah, sometimes they get it wrong too, but it's getting it from multiple sources. And at the end of the day, always check the state law. If you don't know how to read your state's COMAR, um, well, in, in my state, it's called Comar Code of Maryland Regulations. Um, spend the money to actually talk to a lawyer if you need to. The Homeschool Legal Defense Association has been wonderful. Um, if you're not a member, I, I and I have absolutely no other affiliation with them other than being a member. Uh, but they share a lot of great information about the legalities around homeschooling and how other laws impact homeschoolers directly, even if it's not a specific homeschool law. So that's definitely an avenue you want to have where you're getting information from. But then you can start to piece it together. You know, even my this is only my second year homeschooling. So I still consider myself a new homeschooler. Um, my first year, we we reviewed with our local school district and didn't use like any kind of umbrella or anything. And they were a complete train wreck. They asked for things that I know for a fact were not required under Comar. And again, sometimes people have the best of intentions. Um, and even some people who are working in your district don't realize they shouldn't be asking for that. Like when it came to, for example, a gym requirement, they're like, oh, I was like, well, my daughter takes gymnastics. Here is her enrollment form. Well, we, use, we can't, you know, use just that. Why don't you could always take a picture. And I was like, under no circumstances will you be getting a picture of my child doing anything that is not required. You don't need it. That's invasive. Like, and I'm very much that person. If they said they had to come in my house, my lawyer will be present because you're not coming to my house. I'll, I'm happy to come to you, but you're not coming to my house. But just be very cautious with when you're getting information from Facebook groups. Like it definitely is a place to connect and meet other people and get the sources, as Liana was saying. But always, always double check. And it's absolutely worth the money if you need to talk to a lawyer just to get confirmation on what the legal lingo means. That's a really good point. And some areas have really wonderful um, support groups that um, have 
that really you can trust as those legal resources. For example, in my area, the Washington Homeschool Organization, they've been around since I was a little kid. My parents were on the board of it like in the 80s. And that still is an incredibly great organization to get your actual legal advocacy information from. I wouldn't ever tell someone they also needed to hire a lawyer unless they had special circumstances. But other states and other areas may not have those resources for you. So yeah, you should definitely do whatever you need to do to feel confident and confident for yourself. Yeah, I agree sure. as well. Get to get as much information as you can. And, and usually most places do now have an association, a homeschooling association that um, either lobbies or has um, the accurate information too. Um, also to keep note that information changes. Governments change. They update things, especially as political parties change <laughs> and people change. Um, the bureaucrats always say the same in government. Uh, a lot of times they actually have a lot more say than you realize. Uh, they're the ones who kind of write things out and, and then take it to whoever's in the party in power and say, okay, this is how it's worked before. This is how we see this going with your platform. These are our suggestions that we highly recommend. Um, it, government's always an interesting process. So it's, it's, important to stay on top of things if you can as much as possible as well. So you know the shifts and changes coming and and if anything's required, depending where you live. And there are some places, even in Canada, where once you submit, say you're a homeschooler, that's it. You're done. You don't talk to anybody ever again. So um, just yeah, keep keep your information going. So um, Tyra, did you have something to add? And then um, we'll continue. You guys mostly said everything I was going to. <laughs> I was going to say that. Um, also, I, I talked with a, hi, Liana. I also talked to a parent that um, didn't know as far as, you know, I told her to go to HSLDA, but she didn't understand about sending in the notice of intent. Some states, um, especially my state, you send in a notice of intent. And like what Robin said, once you send that in, you don't have to send it in again. A lot of parents get confused about that, that they have to send it in every year. Once you send that notice of intent in, that's it. Now you can homeschool or you can uh, unschool. You can, you know, do whatever here in Florida. But a lot of times when you decide to go to an umbrella, a lot of people want to change up. And like what Robin said, laws change. Laws have changed here. It's it's becoming a little bit more strict, but not that strict that you would ever have to worry about it being real difficult. But you do have to make sure that when you hand in your evaluation each year, it is around the same time. And that if you decide to go from traditional homeschooling with the state, that's what I do, you might want to go under an umbrella, which will cover you like a private school and all you have to hand in is your attendance, you have to notify the school board um, that you are, and this is so crazy, you have to notify the school board that you are leaving home education, even though you're still a homeschooler, when you get under the umbrella. So, I mean, there are laws that are just like Leanna says, you may not understand or they're tricky or they make no sense, but it, it honestly talk to people that know more than you do, but have been homeschooling for a long period of time. That's what I did. And that's how I learned about the laws was through other homeschoolers that have been homeschooling for a long period of time. So that's all I wanted to add, Robin. Thank you. 
Awesome. Thank you, Tyra. Um, and I think that uh, you can also get back if you see any Tyra, for example, Liana or myself or anyone else that may be in your area, also uh, send us a message too, and we can help you help guide the process too. Uh, I would like to keep moving on as well. Liana, what do you think? Because we could talk probably about regulations in different areas all morning, but we also want to keep going yeah. with our other points. Um, so uh, we were going to talk about next, I think we said we talk about getting your goals, purpose, and values aligned here so you know where you're going. But one thing is Joy came up to this stage. Joy, did you want to add anything on the regulation side or did you have a question? Well, I wanted to say thank you for inviting me to the stage. Um, I'm very excited about this topic. I actually was homeschooled on and off many years ago and my parents did a darn good job because now I'm a full professor at our local university and I'm also a homeschooling consultant and I homeschool my own child. Um, we home started homeschooling before the pandemic and one thing that I wanted to add to what I think Katie mentioned is I'm also, I also advise about 200 homeschooling parents in my area. I live in Missouri. And one thing that I strongly suggest is definitely joining Homeschool Legal Defense Association. And in addition to that, one um, active group in my area, and I believe it's nationwide, is Families for Home Educators. In our region, the families for home educators in terms of compliance are godsends because Missouri is just a tiny bit more, uh, I, want, I don't want to say rigid, but in essence, you need to keep track of your hours. You have, have to do 1,000 hours each year, and it's important to keep track of the hours Um because if a pro and basically the only people who can see your hours are prosecuting attorneys. So definitely I agree with everyone on stage that, you know, um, knowing your specific state and it varies so widely is just so important. And to reach out to homeschool legal defense families for home educators for help. And I'm going to go ahead and listen, but I, I just love this topic because that's basically what I do. I consult homeschooling families day in, day out. And I'm also a homeschooler slash unschooler like Tara. Fantastic. Thank you for coming up and sharing, Joy. You're a great connection and we should probably, we can keep connected off offline as well. So thank you for coming up. Um, so we're going to continue moving through uh, our our theme and topic, and we're going from kind of paperwork and those steps to purpose. Uh, Liana, did you want to lead off on that, or and then we can explore that? Yeah, absolutely. I think that just it's so easy when you're beginning this journey. I think I've been talking to so many new homeschoolers over the last couple of weeks. It's so easy to focus on all the logistics and all the what I have to do and when I have to get it done by and make sure that you're in compliance and all of that. And in some areas, it's kind of, there's a lot of work to do around that. In other areas, like where I am, there's like not very much work to do around it, but it still makes you, you still like want to make sure you get that part right. And so I think people focus on that, forgetting to 
begin to vision what their goals are as homeschoolers, begin to really feel into how, why are we doing this? <laughs> you know, what is important to us about this? How do we make sure that we design a homeschool and a family life that actually gets us to the goals that we have as a family? You know, for me, a big piece of that for me is, is just, you know, I want to make sure that our family and the individuals in our family feel good every day. Like, I know that seems like so high level and so silly, but it's really true. Like if, if our point, if our goal is to feel good every day, then we are going to make different choices than if our goal is to make sure my son's reading by the end of the school year, right? It's a very, very different goal that might be important to some families. So they might focus on that. I know Robin, we just had a question about reading. So we can get to that when we talk about actually designing the school part of it. But I think it's really important for us to just begin to understand what do we want for ourselves, for our kids? Why are we doing this? Why is this important for us to you know, restructure our whole lives to make homeschooling and unschooling the thing that we're doing, homeschooling or unschooling? How, why are we doing this and what do we want to accomplish from it? And that guiding piece I mean, it can, one, we need to know it for ourselves. And then we also need to know it within relationships. So like if we have a partner that we're parenting with, we have to know how we have to have a shared vision as well. And we also have to have, you know, if we have children that are old enough to communicate with us about this stuff, we have to have a shared vision with them also. This can be a great time to make like a family mission statement. If you've never done that before, there's so many fun exercises online for making family mission statements. And that's just really what I wanted to talk about about this point. It's just like, who are we? Why are we doing this? Why is this important to us? And what are we hoping it will bring into our lives? That's exactly how we end school, actually. And that's how we begin every, you know, quote unquote, school year. Um, Liana, you kind of like just took the words right out of my mouth. Um, it's important. And I know I, I've talked about this before. We actually talked about this in another room uh, not too long ago before and even bringing that mission statement. The importance of really understanding your values and purpose when you're undertaking a life learning like this. Uh, the thing with understanding your va values and your guiding purpose becomes important because when you define your values, it becomes your, your lamppost or your guiding light, your guiding way, um, you know, your maybe your map. I, I've, I've talked about unschooling and homeschooling as kind of like undertaking a road trip with your family, it, you know, that becomes your map, even if you're, you have unscheduled stops or just going to go with it. When your underlying guiding and purpose really helps to, to align you on that trip and having a purpose means to be living in alignment with your values. And when we understand our values and purpose, and we're living in alignment with that, it, one, it helps us to be more confident it sets a strong foundation that's always our guide. So when things like naysayers come up, when we have questions, uh, when we doubt ourselves, when we're wondering if we should change paths or different things that we're doing, if we go back to, and we're kind of lost in that, if we go back to our values and guiding purpose, then that helps to recenter us and refocus us so that we can, you know, we can continue on that road trip. We can continue on that journey a little bit more smoothly. So, and it can be, you know, for every, and the thing is it can be different for every family. 
And it's something as well, Leanna, you just talked about, you say with a partner, you're with a partner, that's important to be on the same page and talk with them about, because we could have a, a certain value or guiding purpose, but it may be a little bit different from the rest of the family. <laughs> so communication is such a big part of that too, so that we still continue together along in the same vehicle, essentially on that road trip. Um, maybe our partner decided is like totally different. And they're like, I'm taking the truck and you can take the other car. I'll take one kid with me and you can take the other kid. Then no longer is a family road trip. <laughs> We're not, not traveling together anymore. Uh, so really being on board and communicating and asking the questions, um, you know, what's important about learning? What is learning? You know, what, how, how do we, how do we define learning? What, what does school mean for us? And is it connected to learning for us or is it not? What would we like out of life? Uh, what's important to our family as a whole that helps sustain us and revitalize us? Uh, what do we feel is not important? Uh, and then breaking that down. And you'd mentioned a mission statement. Our family's core guiding purpose is love, connection, and freedom and autonomy. Those are really, you know, we that's basically our, our core values. So when we are going forward and, and, and things are happening, like, for example, this coming school year, um, you know, we reflect on, okay, the things that we want to do, things that are happening, uh, questions we have and choices that we're going to make, do they come back to those four cores for our family? Is it something that supports that or is it something that actually has no, like, actually almost goes against those things? Do we want to, is, is there a need to introduce that? And we have our reasons why those four are important to us. But, you know, it's actually not, well, I want my kids to achieve a certain reading level this year. It's it's in the freedom and autonomy. I want them to be able to um, understand, enjoy reading and understand that it's part of that process of self-directed learning and independence. And that um, I, my hope is that they get to the point where um, that, if they need to find information or they need to research for a certain thing, they're, they're competent and able to do that um, and eventually get to a point where they can do that on their own without me helping them. Uh, or they're able to discern different research and information and understand where each where it's coming from and what is, you know, what, you know, what the data means or where something is based on fact, or if it's just an opinion, um, you know, those, those maybe are those kind of, quote unquote, academic ideals, but they really tie into our, our broader purpose and values of um, autonomy and freedom, you know, self-directed learning in that way. Um, and the other part is like say, love and connection. You know, if we, I organize or my kids want to do a million things, that's going to have no one at home at any time during the week, because I'm running in 20 different directions, dropping kids off or going to a different activity or doing things where our, our connection is disrupted, then we'll step back and say, hey, guys, you know, having dinner together a couple times a week, at least, is really important to us. And right now our schedule is looking like no one's going to be home except for maybe on a Sunday. So is there something that can we readjust that so that we do have that connection time where we can talk about our day? We can talk about our week. We can talk about the world around us, how we're doing and what's happening. Because dinner time for us happens to be a great time for that. Um, and, you know, so that's how we look at our values and purpose and move forward with our with our uh, our, our year, I guess you could say. So, uh, Liana, did you want to add anything to that as well? Or? 
I just wanted to say, I really love that. I mean, that's really great, especially to think about the connection. I think it's so easy to start programming everyone and doing the things that everyone wants to do and meeting all their needs and all their individualized education. And then before you know it, you guys are just like running around like crazy people. (laughs) I even have found myself doing that a little bit, you know, um, well, for a few weeks we had the pandemic, um, easing in our area. And then, you know, that shifted and now it's, uh, not anymore. Uh, So, but I was starting to think of like activities that I wanted my son to be able to do. And every single one that I looked into was like at 4.45 or 5.30 on weekdays. And I was like, there's no way that we're going to go to gymnastics at 5 p.m. on a weekday. Like that is when we're making dinner. Like I'm not doing that. We're not going to do that. And, um, and it was just really interesting to like see that and see that it was backing up right up against um, a family value of ours, which is to be home and to have a peaceful evening that includes making food together and eating it. Um, and so you do when you're strong on your whys, like that if connection is one of those or whatever your whys are, when you're strong on that, it's easier to make other decisions. Yeah, it absolutely is. May I? Yeah. Pardon, so pardon. Um, may I contribute just a small yeah, bit? Absolutely. Yeah, I love this conversation. And one thing that I found, I have a 13-year-old eighth grader. He starts eighth grade after Labor Day. We do year-round homeschooling. And one thing that I found useful is having his buy-in in terms of our purpose and values as a family. When when I sat down, uh, we actually literally just sat down at the dining room table and said, okay, what do we value as a small family? Like, let's just talk about that. And I really wanted to get his thoughts as well, because I thought if I, as the adult, only contribute to the values that we're going to hold to every day. I just thought the type of child he is, I'm not sure how much as a 13-year-old he would adhere to them. So I I think for us, um, us having a family conversation about the values and and him contributing and then him as a, a teen if there's a day that he's reacting in a way that kind of counters one of the values, I can go back and say, wait a minute now, remember we both agreed on this, you know? So um, that's what I wanted to contribute. Just having, um, particularly for a tween or teen, their buy-in in the values and purpose component. Yeah, absolutely. I actually, and I think Liana, you and I are on the same page with this, as unschoolers, it's the learning life is the learner chooses how, what, where, when they're learning. So having their buy-in or even they just lead their learning, it's not, it, it, it's necessary. That's the foundation of it as well for us. So it's a constant yeah. conversation of it's not, and we, you know, we do have specific times of the year where we kind of gather and say, okay, how's this year going in spring? And then now in this time, because where we are, we have to submit our home education plan for the year. Um, so it helps me to kind of get those ideas down, but it's always a constant conversation in our family of this is our values. You know, we talk about it all the time. 
So we're all moving forward together. Yeah. I like that. It, and it, it's, and, and the other thing is, is there's space to question it as well. Like, is this working for us? You know, maybe, maybe our, our kids, you know, my son is turning 15 and my daughter's 12. Um, maybe there's something that they're like, you know what? Um, I know this is really important to us this year for us to have dinner at home together at least four days a week. But, you know, now drama is coming up again. And I would really like to audition for peace players to be in, uh, you know, this, this production again. And that's going to put me out um, another, you know, another day or two for dinners, but it's only within this block. So, you know, I know this is important to us, but right now this is important to me. And I really need this for my soul, for my creativity, for what I want to do for my connection and community. And, um, you know, that is also connection, uh, offering that space for our kids to say, Hey, you know what, this actually what we're is not working for us. This is what I need right now. And this is still part of this. So how can we, how can you support me in this? Um, so that's always a constant conversation in that way. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's that piece, even for my um, four-year-old, we are we have conversations with him all the time about um, what we're doing, why we're doing it, what his thoughts are on it, whether he has a different feeling or different thought on it. Um, and even for all sorts of stuff with his day-to-day stuff, I let him make all the decisions that are um, not related to health and safety. Like, honestly, as much as I can, I let him make decisions um, in his life and let him know that I value his opinion and his desires. And it just, um, it makes life so much easier. So we are going to um, turn off our hand raising now. And if we have time for more people, we'll, we'll continue to bring people up to the best of our ability. So go ahead and, you know, raise your hand now. We'll get you in the queue and we'll get through the folks because we have three folks here to talk to still, and then we'll bring up more folks as we can. Um, but feel free to get your hand up. So we know that you want to come up and talk and we'll get you up um, if we have time for you. So please, please do. And if you have a burning question, you want to make sure it we're able to voice it, then please DM me as well. Liana, could you, oh, could you be hey. the, when yeah. turn off the hand raising, can you do that? Cause I can't remember how to do it on this app. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I will go ahead and turn that off now. And the rest of you will hopefully get it. Oh, it looks like when I turned off hand raising. Okay. Well, let's do something different then today. Um, I turned off hand raising, so everyone in the queue with their hands went away. So I'm going to open it back up to everyone. Um, please raise your hands again if you guys wanted to come up. I'm not going to bring you up fully yet because I don't want to bring you up and then disappoint if we're not able to have a conversation with you today. Um, but raise your hand again, and we'll let people up as we can. Perfect. Thanks, Robin. Um, did we want to talk really quickly about the DM? That yeah, let's address that now, and then we can move through the audience or the the uh, stage. You know what I'm trying to say? <laughs> yes, <laughs> Allison, Aaron, and Carrie. Exactly. All right. So, let Robin got a DM about reading and and wanting to know how I learned to read as an unschooler growing up, and then also just experiences like teaching our children to read. So, I actually don't. I have a couple memories of sitting and sounding out words with my grandma and doing like flashcards and stuff. And so in my past, I've represented to people that, oh, we like, we would just do it in this gentle way and we'd like learn together and I would sit and, and do sounding words and stuff. 
Um, but then I talked to my mom about that really recently. And she said, oh yeah, no, it was just when your grandma came to visit. She was just so stressed out about the way that I was teaching you guys that she just, she would do flashcards with you and sit and do reading time with you. But I never did that. That's not how you guys actually learn to read. And I thought that was so funny because, um, you know, my grandma didn't live near us. She lived in California. So it must've just been like one time I remember sitting down with my grandma and I had created that as a memory of how I learned to read. But my mom recently has informed me that the way my older brother and I learned to read was um, through a natural process. So basically, she just read to us constantly with us sitting next to her. Um, we had um, just like toys and charts and things that had to do with the alphabet. And through our natural curiosity, we learned the alphabet. And through our natural curiosity, we learned the sound of the letters. And through our natural curiosity and exposure, we just began to be able to read while sitting next to her. And then we would ask her questions like, what's this what's that word? And what's this one? And which word are you reading right now? And so she was able to then like point to words while she was reading. And we were able to ask her questions as we were trying to figure it out. We would just sort of be putting it together ourselves just through our natural listening and uh, enjoying books. And then we would eventually, you know, want to take a stab at it and we want to read it to her and she would help us as we were doing that. So it was just a very natural process. My younger brother, who is just not even two years younger than me, he actually just began to read without anyone teaching him or even needing to sit and do that process with him because he's not that much younger than us. So he was sitting there as a toddler, hearing conversations as I was, you know, trying to learn to read or my older brother was getting, improving his reading skills. And so one day we had a three-year-old little boy at our house that just started reading the backside of the newspaper to my dad saying, asking him questions. What does that say? You know, the other side of the newspaper, my dad was reading and, um, and my dad was like, are you reading that? He would start reading street signs as we were driving down the street. He would ask questions about the street signs or can we go get that? And he'd know the deal that McDonald's was advertising or something because he had read it. And, um, so he really just learned to read because he was in an environment where he was hearing people learn to read. And, that's really what happened for us. For my son, we haven't put any emphasis on him learning to read. He's four and a half. Um, he is, he does really recently been very interested in the alphabet more and he has an alphabet video game. And so he's been really mastering more of the alphabet from the perspective, like knowing the sounds and knowing like what words, um, you know, like keywords with the alphabet. Um, so he's just really been enjoying that and that's where we leave it for now. And if he learns to read in the next year, super, if he learns to read when he's 12, that's super. So whatever works best for him will be, will be fine for me. Robin, yeah. Um, for us, uh, it was a little bit different because remember we didn't start out as unschoolers. I know part of this was actually speaking. Um, she'd asked to speak to her, our own, our experience as well with my kids. Uh, my kids actually went to school. They went to kind of actually an intent. It was a, a progressive school, independent school that was really big on literacy. So they actually started, both my kids started at age three, going full time to that program. It sounds so different from now. What, uh, but anyways, we, we evolve and change, right? So, um, they actually started with that program, uh, at, at, at the school, but I worked there. So I knew the program really well. So it was actually a very, it was a phonics program that was all music actions, 
touch. It, it incorporated all of the senses except for maybe smell. Um, and so all the songs we would play like at, on our stereo at home, um, and they were all songs about the sounds. So we we did that at home. Um, and so I think I, that was something that they were introduced to at school, but also even before that. So one thing I do want to say is my husband and I are really big readers. Uh, so reading was something that we, in the womb, we read to, like my husband, I'd lay on the bed at night and my husband would read to my kid, our kids in the belly. Uh, and we would get books out and he would just read every night. He would read to the kids uh, when they were in my womb still. And that was a practice that we started when I was for, pregnant for the first time. And we continued that even as infants, we read to them every night and all the way, like, um, until just a you know, few short years ago, a year ago, we would read every night out loud together. Um, so that was a practice that we always had in our home. Uh, and it was very much about, oh, like, you know, books were something that we would get as presents and stuff like that by our, and we, you know, our, our family knew that. So a lot of gifts as well were books that my mom would find or, you know, my mother-in-law would find. So we always had a big selection of different kinds of books at home as well that we actively read and talked about all the time. So I do want to, you know, creating that environment of um, reading is fun. It's engaging. And it's also safe because we would make it where we get on the couch and get a blanket and get like hot chocolate or a cup of tea or something like that and read out loud together and give time and space to ask questions and for our kids to ask questions and ask them about the story, about the characters. That's something we've always done. Um, and I think that really was the big impact. Uh, once we started moving into like self-directed learning, I stopped doing any reading or writing lessons, quote unquote, I have quotations. So my son was probably about um, seven when we stopped doing that. My daughter would, would have been, you know, like five. Um, and after that, it was just that, just reading books together. Um, there was no grammar lessons or anything like that. And they really, um, my son was already reading. Uh, my daughter was already picking it up, but really they just took off from there. And I ha they haven't had any other formal reading or writing lessons, unless it's something like my daughter who loves to write. She has like taken a fairy tale writing course, for example, because it's something she wanted to do. Um, they, you know, they each have a journal kind of thing that they keep whenever they want to do, but it's, um, that's how reading and literacy is introduced into our home. So just want to give you that background and perspective because they did have that when they went to school. We took them out. My son was halfway through grade one and my daughter had done half a year of junior, full-time junior kindergarten. And then we took them out of school. So Robin, I love you bringing up the perspective of creating that environment for reading like that. And my home is like that too. So um, I met my son when he was three days old. I adopted him. And so he was three days old when I met him and we read to him like that that first day he was being read to, you know, so he's been read to every single day for big chunks of time. I mean, even as an infant, we would read for like 40 minutes a day easily because he liked it. And, you know, we would read picture books when he was little, but by the time he was like eight months old, he was already like expressing interest in things by like which things he wanted to read more of. And we read nonfiction and stuff as well, you know, about trucks and things that he really loved. So, you're like creating, I was taking it for granted, like that thought of like creating that read, that robust reading environment where reading is a natural part of your family. Yeah. And I think, experience. I think many times we, we sure. confuse or forget, we think it's just reading or just writing. 
it's actually literacy. There's a whole foundation to it. So, you know, and if you look at, say, any curriculum, for example, or outcomes in a school, usually it's, you know, are they able to uh, comprehension, uh, developing characters, relating to themselves, um, retelling a story. Those are always elements in, in those reading structures. Those are all the literacy structures. So even things like if your kids aren't reading yet, they're still building their literacy skills when you guys read a book together and you talk about it. And you're, you're, you're like, oh, did you, what did you think about, like, who's your favorite character in Harry? Like, I love Harry or I love Hermione. Why? Well, because, you know, the bravery and still like they're, you know, sometimes I get scared too, but then they still tried to do it, but they knew they were, you know, together. And so, you know, just talking about in a way, in a, you know, in a way that you're in it as well with your kids is part of that literacy process as well. And that's also part of the comprehension when they're retelling a story or changing the story or, you know, how would you like it to end? If you could do it, what would you do? And then they're talking about that. That's all part of reading. That's all part of writing. That's all part of literacy. It's not just being able to sound out the letters or the words or to have correct nouns, pronouns, verbs, and adjectives. Um, You know, it's in that conversation is just as much part of that learning process. So I, I just want everyone to always keep that in mind because I get, well, what the phonics program or this, it's, it's more than that. That's just a piece of that entire puzzle. I love may that. Thank you, Robin. May I add something related to vocabulary? Yes, yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, when I was teaching my son how to read, um, basically I had, I still work full time. So I was working full time and you know, also was the primary caregiver of him when he was, you know, six months, nine months, a year or two, um, very overwhelmed. And one thing that I did and then uh, saw the results when he was four and five is sometimes, and you all may think, oh my gosh, poor kid. But sometimes what I would do is uh, before preparing for a class, because I was teaching some graduate classes, uh, when I prepared for a class or a lecture, I would let him play with his toys. But what I would do is I would read from the books that I was using for the graduate level research class, whatever that was. And it was my way of preparing for the lecture. But at the same time, it was my way of also reading to him. And he would be playing with his toys as he was hearing me read all this stuff about research and publishing and, and just stuff that maybe a, a, a two-year-old clearly doesn't care about. But once he got four or five, um, when he was evaluated by external teachers, they were like, his vocabulary is off the chart. Like he has the vocabulary of like a 12th grader and he's five, you know? And I really think it's because as he played, he was hearing me talk about these various concepts and using vocabulary that was well beyond go, spot, go. So um, I just wanted mm-hmm. to throw that in that, you know, kids are just sponges, you know, and, it, you know, he, you know, even though he wasn't necessarily interested in the topic, he was playing, but at the same time, he was listening to mama read. It wasn't go, spot, go, but it definitely improved his vocabulary. And even now his vocabulary is 
outstanding. Yeah. Whenever I love that joy, excellent example. I do read when I was, when my son was younger and when he would tolerate it, I didn't read him all the time for whatever I was studying for work or, um, whatever needed, but I, whatever I needed to be reading, I just read out loud and it's sort of exactly as we went, but it's also, it's not only just reading to children, but if you're of the mindset where you're the, if you're in that mindset where you treat them like people, you talk to them like a whole person, their vocabulary um, is amazing. My son just said to someone the other day who was telling him about it, an abandoned farm they went to. And he said, oh, were there any derelict buildings on it? <laughs> I love it. I love it. The lady just about died. He used the word derelict. Were there any derelict buildings? He was so excited about a derelict building. So, yeah, they can have amazing vocabularies if we just speak to them in a normal way all the time, right? And assume that they're going to figure it out because they do. They're smart, smart, smart. So we are going over our time once again because Rob and I just keep blah, 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 enjoying ourselves up here talking about everything to you guys. Um, but I would like to do a speed round with Allison, Aaron, and Carrie um, so that we can wrap up pretty close to 9 a.m. Are you guys up for like a speed round sort of thing? Carrie, sure. Allison, let's begin with you. What did you, what were you hoping to contribute or, or ask today? So, um, I was going to say, really, just a lot of the um, talking is a very key point. Like, I feel like the more you communicate, the better your system is. I only have a five and a three-year-old. But, um, yeah, we do the family meeting or whatever, just to reiterate on that. And then I just listened to the podcast on with Pilar, and I love how she said, um, you know, every week they talk about um, – what they're going to do for the following week, how the, you know, you're better at your goals. And some people, um, you know, they're really on that mindset of like, well, this year, what I need to know this, like what a typical third grader is or a typical fourth grader. And I like how she said, you know, we have that list and we kind of just go off of it. And, you know, if we hit some of those goals, cool. If we don't, we don't like, but here are some of the things like my kid may or may not want to learn this year. So people who are very into, um, like wanting to know like what they need to know this year or whatever. It's a good way to kind of incorporate that yet keep it kind of chill all at the same time. So, um, yeah, I think that was pretty much it. I was just going to say, I just kind of love that. And, um, with the whole reading thing, don't push it. Cause I think I pushed my five-year-old last year and it kind of put it on the back burner, but this year I've been kind of chill or since she didn't really like it I've been kind of laid back with it we've been reading we've always read even when she was an infant too and um yeah the other day she's read a couple of things were like see you can read and she's like well I just knew it and I'm like well when you put some things together it makes a sentence and you just knew it and you just read so it, it does I know that is we keep telling her that but she's very she's the type of kid that like until she knows it, until she can do it and tell you and it's good, then then she'll perfect it. It's it's not until then. You can't pressure her to do it any faster. You can't, you know, tell her this, that, and the other. But once she does it, she does it with perfection. So, um, I've had, and again, I feel like the biggest thing with new homeschoolers is really just learning your kids. Learning your kids on how they need to learn how they process things how they you know maybe they're big movers you just gotta teach them while moving like you know it's just all those little things but I think the big key is just figuring out who your kids are this year yes uh, for those new I homeschoolers love it. Exactly. and then I'm done oh thank you so much Allison wow 
Good. Yeah. All right, Aaron, let's go to you, Aaron. Welcome. Peace, folks. Um, I'm very, uh, very excited to be here. I'm glad I found this room. Um, so uh, just a quick a little bit about me. I'm a New York City kid. Um, my son, Ezekiel, is uh, born and raised in the Bronx. He's eight years old now. And um, uh, I, I've been an arts educator for 20 years plus in media arts and uh, literacy. Um, I create maker spaces. I've done incredible projects where, you know, I've raised $100,000 for the pilot program to teach kids digital music production at Carnegie Hall and started the first hip hop education program in a public school and uh, ever like in the country and the world type of deal back in the early nineties. Now with all that said, in a nutshell, uh, I'm a first time father. Uh, my son is an amazing kid and uh, he's on the spectrum. He's got ADHD, but um, what's very interesting I found in the last couple of years of working with him um, at home, because certainly, uh, you know, COVID, uh, you know, threw a lot of uh, curveballs at especially, you know, public schools, right? It's been a very interesting process working with him and, and trying to uncover ways to engage in all his senses, in all the uh, interests that he has. Um, in my life as a as an educator, as a lifelong learner, uh, through, you know, teaching and learning, you know, experiential and interactivity has always been my real space that I thrive in. Um, I create programs for kids to interact with each other. And of course, COVID ended up <clears throat> really capsizing that and threw me for a loop professionally, um, you know, mentally, uh, and even, uh, you know, um, just philosophically, like, okay, what, what am I going to do now? How am I, you know, seeing the development of young people uh, shift because of these, you know, real world issues? And, um, and right in front of me, of course, I have my own, you know, uh, my own curriculum as uh, Tira has uh, a beautiful uh, saying by someone on her, on her avatar. Uh, you know, how do I engage him in these things? The, 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 um, these things that matter to him and, um, he, like, like folks have said, you know, kids, kids are sponges. He's, he learned how to read actually through interacting within the New York City subway system. He's fascinated by trains. He learned the subway map by age four, like literally learned every station. Um, and, you know, he could tell you how to get there. There's all of that. And what I found was fascinating was that he really gravitated to all the signs uh, for subway, uh, you know, different uh, construction things going on and and different, uh, you know, different uh, lines going to, you know, uh, different routes and things like that. And um, and so bringing him through, bringing him through like the experiences really gave him grasp and his vocabulary through the roof. But what I find um, challenging is, you know, how to organize and structure, um, how to sort of compartmentalize so that he can feel that flow that I hear folks talking about, the you know, letting go, you know, to be able to have him uh, sort of decide where his interests uh, are going to take him, um, you know, but... There's also, you know, I mean, I'm speaking from a, from a just straight up parent, you know, who uh, is trying to learn how to teach my child. Uh, you know, he's, he's a very fast person. Like he's, he's full of energy to the point where we're, we're exploring medication. 
to that end. And I, of course, I haven't um, spoken about any of what's going on or, or you know anything of his birth or you know how he's developed uh, through time. Yeah. But just knowing that you know he's a very fast child, and we want to be able to like we can see that there's some his ability to focus in on specific things. But when he does, focus, he's hyper focused. He's he's all yeah. in. You know? Yeah, I mean, so characteristic, yeah, right? Yeah, he he goes to YouTube and he'll you know he'll he just learned about uh, K-pop, and so now he knows all the K-pop you know stars and uh, and Lincoln Center just happened to have a K-pop night. Uh, we I I grew up across the street from Lincoln Center's Bandshell, and so so one night. Visiting my mom, and of course that concert happened to happen, and the kid brings me right up to the front row, and then he gets interviewed after the concert on you know Korean TV and blah blah blah. So, Aaron, but, it sounds yeah. I, I'm going to interrupt you because we're, we're yeah. out of time, but just want to tell you that it sounds like you're doing all the things. I mean, um, you're exposing him to more of the things he loves. You're celebrating him for what he's actually choosing to spend his time doing, the things that he's passionate about, the subway system, K-pop, all of that. Like you're allowing him to develop naturally. And I would just say, keep going. Like you're on the path. I'm so glad you're here. Follow our club, come to our rooms because these are your people. You're here. There's also a lot of, um, educators in this Much community fun. too that are homeschooling their kids now and yeah. trying to yeah. reconcile those two things. So yes. you're going to yeah. get a lot of great information from those people as well. Absolutely. So for sure, would, follow the club and love, be here with us. I would love to connect with anyone on the back end. Naturally, my DMs are wide open. Um, and also, I'm a I'm a maker. I'm a creator. Um, I do stuff. So I I would love to turn everyone on to my New York Public Library workshops that are online and free. You know, for the public, art and music, animation. That's wonderful, Aaron. But um, but yes, please. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Apologize for <laughs> monopolizing a little something. But um, I'm really glad to be here, and I'll, I will definitely come back. And, and, Perfect. And hang, hang, hang. Blessings. We're, we're happy to have you here. Thank you so much for being here, Aaron. Yes. Yeah, thank you, Aaron. Definitely uh, be in contact with me. I'm interested in finding out more for sure. And both Leon and I are happy to answer any questions. We definitely support and mentor homeschooling families. Absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah. And full disclosure. He's going back into the public school system. And so this is kind of frightening for me. So, you know, we're, we're trying to balance out, you know, how we're able to shift the energy, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Liana and I are actually, because this is, I mean, such a great conversation, we're going to continue this part two next week, next Saturday. So we really just got into the kind of like the paperwork and, and purpose, but we're going to, going to continue next week on building out your rhythms and year, especially within the unschooling or natural learning journey, um, and as well creating community. And I think part of that has also become advocacy. How do you speak? and advocate as well, even with you're moving into different situations like school or in or out of school or agile learning centers or anything like that as well, because sometimes our kids need that other community and support um, and also what's available within your area. So that's going to be our part two next Saturday that we're going to continue. Yes. And Carrie messaged me and let me know that she just wanted to be up here and finish listening. Didn't have anything else to say today. So um, I think we're done with the room right now and ready to meet people next week here. We also have a club um, room Monday 
morning um, here. So follow the club and you can see all the scheduled rooms. There's one Monday, there's one Tuesday mm-hmm. and another one That's on Saturday. Right. We'll do part two Saturday. And um, yeah, Tuesday is also going to be an interesting room because we're talking about homeschooling and the shifts in places like France, where it's now outlawed starting next year. And um, even though maybe it's not where we live, it how does it affect homeschoolers around the world? Um, around freedom and autonomy as well. So we're actually going to have a, a friend of mine who homeschools is from Paris, uh, who lives in Canada now. She's going to be uh, part of uh, one of the co-hosts of the, and different perspectives from different places. And I think we actually have um, a, one of the lawyers from HSLDA International that's going to be part of the stage two. So that's going to be a very, and we're going to record that one as well. Um, and then Kelly and Liana have one tomorrow. I also want to say, uh, I haven't put it out publicly. I've talked about it quickly in the summit and a few that have already added onto the list. I've been reaching out, um, directly to them, but I do have my masterclass homeschooling with purpose, which actually begins in September, September 12th. Um, that is open now. So it's a four week masterclass. I'm keeping it very small so that we can have conversations like this. You can ask questions. Um, it, it's a live masterclass. We'll do it through Zoom. So also things like creating uh, your unique learning rhythm, um, ex- those questions that you want to explore with your family and kids so that we can see each other and I can, you know, we can visually map that out as well. Um, that will be part of it. Deschooling, getting clear on your values and purpose, creating that flow, that natural learning flow and rhythm for the year. Um, all of that, I'm, we're breaking down and, and doing that as the, as the live masterclass. So, you know, keeping it small. If you're interested, DM me and then I can also send you out the information before I fully publicly release it. But because I wanted to keep it small, that's why I'm just slowly talking about it as well. So um, you can do that too on the on the back channel. So there are, Liana, there were some other questions that we received. So if you DM'd us with a question, I've written it down and we can also address that in the next room in part two, because um, I know we missed a few that want to come up stage and a few other DMs. So thank you so much, everyone. Uh, have a great day. Liana, is there anything you wanted to close with? No, not at all. Just have a great, great weekend, everybody. Thanks, everyone. I'll close up a great week. Peace, everyone. Peace. Great to connect. <laughs>